0: Are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for joining us and spending your precious time with us here on the podcast. Today we've got an awesome Aussie nurse. Uh, Rory is with us today. Hey Rory, how are you going? Welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Before we dive into Rory and his amazing career and all of the lessons that he's learned, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about him. Rory is passionate about all things education and personal development. He absolutely loves anaesthesia and currently works as a clinical nurse specialist, or did work as a clinical nurse specialist. I think you're in a different role, but we'll get into that. Educator and facilitator in his area and across the hospital and more broadly. Rory is a facilitator in the vocational education and training industry in Australia with his other business, Life Saving Education, providing training in all things pre-hospital care in the community. Amazing. Love that. Rory's most recent venture, you probably already know about it because it's blew up on Instagram and it's amazing, is founding the Aussie Nurse Educator over at aussienurseeducator.com on Instagram and Facebook and all the platforms where he provides content based around education and personal development. Wow, Rory, you're busy. There's a lot happening there. I love it.
1: There definitely is a lot happening. I've um, added a few more things over the last year, but it's definitely everything that I love doing. So it's been such a great journey. Loved every minute of it.
0: That's amazing. So I'd love to dive in because I think that you are, like, since we you know booked this in and had it all planned in, there's been more changes, more things happening. So talk us through your journey to where you are in your career right now. Tell us about your journey from you know pre-nursing to what you're doing right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this is something that I've reflected on a lot over the last few years, sharing my story with a few people and not to go on about it, but I think it's a pretty cool story because I haven't come from a family that's got any healthcare workers, any nurses, any, anyone that does anything that I do. They're all in the trades and all into other sort of entrepreneurial stuff. But Basically, when I left school, I was still an athlete and I started working as a professional beach lifeguard. And uh, that was with my local council. And uh, that was literally a week after leaving school. And a part of this, we did a lot of training in the aquatic rescue industry. I knew a lot of paramedics from Sydney and stuff. And they got me sort of on this new sort of trajectory. But um, when I was sort of, you know, going through school and stuff, I, um, you know, toyed around with the idea of becoming an electrician, plumber. I loved tech, you know, and I thought about doing medicine and nothing really just sort of sat and when I was about seven years old I asked my mum for a stethoscope because I wanted to be an anesthetist <laughs> so within all of that coming into high school I sort of thought I'll be an electrician or an anesthetist and I did this job as a lifeguard and the paramedics there said oh I don't know if you should be a you know a paramedic or an electrician or an anesthetist maybe you should just reset with your you know your passions and I thought well I do love science and health and stuff and they said well why don't you do nursing because that'll teach you where you want to go and I thought that was some pretty pretty cool advice. So there I was working at the beach of the lifeguard. The next year came around and I actually applied for nursing. And in between that, I scored a scholarship, fully paid scholarship for teaching. And I literally walked into that office, fully intending not to sign it, turn that down. And I went forward with that application for nursing. And when I was lifeguarding that next year, I just went into nursing full time. And, and that's sort of where it started. But I was very naive before this. I literally you know, come up with responses to that paramedic saying like, nurses just like clean the bedside and follow doctors around like I'd literally never been in a hospital like I didn't know anything about nursing and how wrong was I nursing is definitely not that and it's definitely its own profession and where you can go is literally endless and it's totally different to pathways like medicine and other things in health too which I found really interesting so as I said no one in my family was from health so I had no real guidance from anyone around me immediately and I didn't know anyone attached to any of this and I had no friends that were in line of interest from school or anything so I really was flying you know quite blind so you know when I applied for this spot into nursing you know I sort of went wow I'm literally turning down 20,000 to go spend 20,000 do something you know else is this really the right decision but when I had you know when I hit university I decided that you know I'd keep going with my lifeguarding to fund it it actually pays quite well beach lifeguarding if you do it for council so I really enjoyed my time there and i had to choose in nursing at university if i should you know continue my athletic career and growing up i had a bit of a lesson in like fortune you know home situation and i chose to get a good education and set off you know into the professional industry but when i say get a professional education i was sort of clouded by the fact that you need to fill yourself up with papers and you need to go to university to get a good job and earn good money and i really went to university as you know advice from other people but within my interests so i think that's a key thing follow your interests so I found myself at university I didn't really like first year that much at all you know talking about Florence Lightingale and all the basic stuff so we didn't do anything really practical it was really really boring I don't care much for English in terms of at school I really struggle with it with my ADHD and other things but that that'll probably come up a bit later so as we started second year I um, I really started to, to like it we started with mental health and I, I really actually just loved that we had some great you know, passionate mental health teachers that were, you know, PhD trained and all that sort of stuff. And they were really passionate about what they did too. And I really loved that sort of passion. And this is where I really became a bit self-aware of my ADHD and what it was basically, you know, playing havoc with my life and the other things there. And so I finished second year, had some really, really good placements, which I was really thankful for. And I progressed into third year. And because of my background in paramedicine, like with the whole beach lifeguard stuff and wanting to do that and whatever third year was really good because it was all based around critical care. And I was starting to think, wow, what am I going to do? And what should I sort of aim for? But still had no real idea because I found, you know, the universities don't teach you that stuff. So I had the best experience I could ever ask for on, uh, you know, my last placement. And it was something that's, you know, totally unexpected. And I guess it's a prime example of why you should stay open to all types of opportunities and absolutely just put everything in to everything you do because, longer story short, I started off third year in a really good ED placement and in the last five weeks I was like, oh, come on, I want to get an ICU or theatres or something that going down that critical care pathway. And I ended up at a surgical ward, you know, in a very rural hospital. Straight away I was like, oh, oh, really? But like I said, turn it around, look at the opportunities and I went in there, it was five weeks. I got my follow-around assessment done in the first two weeks. We had an amazing educator there and she said, Rory, what do you want to do across the hospital? I was like, oh, I want to go for a week in ED and go into anesthesia if I can and whatever. And she made that happen for me. And I really got to see how nursing can change depending on where you are in that we had a cardiac arrest come into ED and, you know, she was intubating and everything because there's no doctors and all the screens are there. And the people at the John, like the big tertiary hospital where I live are talking to us saying, do this, do that. And as a third year nurse, I'm doing compressions, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So that was like an eye opener in itself. So well, I went around to theatres and this is where it really got interesting. And Anith to saw me, had a chat with me and really loved the fact that I had this background outside of nursing. He took me into theatres, got me to do a few things, things that I was just blown away with, like putting tubes into people when I was a third year student. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So he said to me, he said, Rory, what does every hospital do across Australia? I said, oh, looks after patients. And he said, uh, no, what do they actually do? And I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, surgery. He said, they don't do ED, they don't do do ICU, they do surgery. So he said, if you like what you're doing in here, you should stick around. And from that moment, I just went, wow, I actually do love this whole anaesthetic idea. And I just chased that. I just went for a new grade. I applied for absolutely everywhere. However, I just wanted one thing, which was a peri anaesthesia new grade. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is probably a pretty big hint straight up for people applying for new grades. Don't limit yourself. I meet so many people that do one or two applications. I literally did 10. You know, I applied everywhere ward stuff, mental health, community, absolutely everything. And I was lucky because I fully immersed in the processes, and, and I was lucky I got literally every position I applied for. And then that led me to a position where I could just go, wow, what do I want to choose to do? And when I got offered all these positions, I literally got a position at a private hospital a minute from my house. I could literally ride my bike there. And it was a peri position. It was in a large private hospital. So it was actually Monday to Friday. So in terms of a grad settling in, it was just the perfect position for me. And this private hospital had a full functioning ICU, did cardiothoracics, did cath lab stuff. It was actually putting in a, a private ED, which is the first private ED in all of Newcastle. So it was a very exciting time for this hospital in terms of growth and stuff. So the things I got to do extra because of that was just absolutely amazing. So I completed this one year in peri and, as I said, private hospital, you probably get a bit more opportunity to do a few things than in public where public have, you know, the full medical team, registrars down to students in the medical side. Well, in private, you're more than often, especially in perianesthesia, just working straight with the anaesthetist and this was just invaluable. Like the things that I got to do and the experience I got was just amazing and I can never thank all the people from back then for all of that. But from here, I I stayed there for another year because they offered me a job and I I went into cardiothoracic anesthesia and I did a fair bit of cardiac for a year, did some of the the trauma-based stuff attached to that. And I just loved all of that. And then I decided to move on. I did some stuff back in surgical ward stuff, did some stuff around the ED, toyed with the idea of, do I want to do any ICU stuff? But I actually uh, got tapped on the shoulder by a couple of doctors that thought I was okay in anesthetics and said, you know, can you come to this hospital that we need you to come to? And I thought, okay, so I fully left public health and this was a conscious decision. I did it quite early in my career and it was the best thing I ever did. I did it for me and I made the right decision for me. So I started working privately very heavily and I ended up working at a smaller hospital locally and I was only going there part-time, but I got sucked into this whole full-time, the full-time notion of nursing. And this lasted about a year or so and by this time I'd specialised and done a few other bits of formal training and stuff so I became a CNS then I became the manager of anesthesia and then shortly after I became the perioperative educator but because this hospital was so small it crossed over with the hospital education stuff so over about a four and a bit year period I, I sort of had enough of that role and late last year I decided to quit cold turkey and the whole aim for this was just basically to concentrate on both of my businesses but the week I literally quit I saw a great 0.5 CNE role just down the road from my house and I thought how good would this be to, to compliment the Aussie Nurse Educator and just to do something totally different that I haven't really done before? And right from walking into the hospital before the interview, the culture, the people, everything about this hospital is just totally different than I'd ever experienced before. And so I, I went in for my interview, got that job, and I decided to take it. And now I'm working as a CNE, and I mostly guide students and work with a few new grads and all the new staff doing you know staff training and all of that. But uh, right from the moment walking in there, like that, Neith just said to me in theatre in third year you know this every hospital does this surgery and not many people are going into these roles because universities don't gear you towards surgery I made a lot of students that have never seen the inside of surgery and when I walked into this hospital I actually saw the CNS who mentored me at another hospital when I was a new grad and as soon as she saw me she said Rory when can you work? How many days can you do? And I thought that was quite interesting. So I have actually worked a couple of days in anaesthetics at this new hospital, which is great because I get to mingle with all the staff on a, you know, on a more practical level and things like that. But I absolutely love the whole C and E thing, and it's really complemented. You know, that 0.5 has really complemented my businesses and allowed me to really immerse in all my overall passions and really focus on helping people. But you know, driving my my passion and everything I've really built over the last few years. So. Everything that I do is basically about helping others. Both my businesses and everything I do in nursing is about helping others. And I just love it. So that's a bit of a long-winded version of how I got here.
0: No, I absolutely love it. There is so much in there. Like there are so many aha moments that I'm hearing that I didn't know about you for sure, which I'm just thinking, oh my God, the people listening are going to be relating to this. Because first and foremost, you talked about the fact that do you know people think that they need to go into the public system straight away? So you went private, right? It's your first job. yeah, That was your first job. So many people have mind drama about that. Like, oh my God, if I go private, then I can never get into public. Or do you know, if I go into private, private, maybe it's the end of my career before it's even began. I don't know where these thoughts come from. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was going to say, like, as an anaesthetic specialist, I didn't see a lot of that. I was working with a lot of students, but they were very focused on what they were doing. But stepping back, doing Aussie nurse stuff, and you would have seen it for a few years with your coaching. There is definitely so much worry about all of that. And I came from a third year undergrad AIM position. i was still lifeguarding, but I tried to do a bit of undergrad AIM job. And I I worked in an ED and it was amazing, but it was a public ED. And I really got to see what AINs, ENs and other things What other people did in their roles and how they were treated and progressions of all of those things and who people became and it was just something that I started to question right from then so the private model right from new grad really did allow me to grow and it really did enable me to really step back and actually start to think about what I really wanted to do and yeah it was interesting
0: yeah, very interesting. The other thing that you talked about, busting all the myths, was about like this idea of a flexible career. Like you've literally have a portfolio career. <laughs> you have dabbled in lots of different things, which is amazing. And again, a lot of people listening often, you know, that we that we speak to, I think that they've got to stay put in something for a prolonged period of time to be able to get a result. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. What would you say about that?
1: Oh, 100%. I've actually been caught in this spot in nursing before I've stayed somewhere just a tad too long for me and just to see what that was doing to the environment the environment was already changing anyway but what that did to me and then the people around me I thought was pretty powerful so that's why I've made you know I made a conscious decision to leave there but I think a lot of people do do this and I think you know I did it only for like say a year before I decided to leave but I've come across nurses that have stayed places 10, 15, 20 years when they probably should have left and found something different and something that I share with nurses all the time, especially ones that are worried about you know what should I do what's the area for me? I, I said when I was at university there was over 96 nursing roles that you could do then there'd be well over 100 now well and truly over 100 and I'd go as far to say as 25 percent of them you wouldn't even have any contact with any patients whatsoever. And I think just people need to reshape the way they think about nursing because in other countries, which you might be able to add some more value to this from from the UK and stuff, but other countries do things differently. Like we do a whole medical three-year nursing skills-based thing and shove you in a hospital and, and go, go, go sort of thing. But other countries do mental health focused stuff only. Other countries do very much things related to people's interests. And I think nursing in Australia is so broad that you get into the degree and you start questioning everything like for me it was like am I going to be a paramedic am I going to do medicine or what am I doing sort of thing but there is so many things you can do and in Australia I think they just focus on a bit of skill development aged care mental health and then a tiny bit of stuff in third year and then out you go so the other thing I say to people is new grad is where you start to experience learn and engage with the industry and learn everything really so that's really your time to start assessing and questioning these things but it's just a hard time for the new grads because they're also trying to work really hard shifts and all of that as well and or the rest of nursing
0: that gets to you. Yeah, for sure. But there's this notion that you need to know what your destiny is when you graduate. (laughs) Yeah, you know, just try it out. Just try it out, sample it all. Like oh, literally, I literally, I put up a post the other day, and I put all my different roles, and it sounds like you'd be very similar. Yeah, like there was like I reckon there was about like, twenty different roles on there, yeah. and they were like oh, people were like, oh my goodness, like when have you had time to sleeply? I'm like, what have you been doing? Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. I think that's what allows you to really try and find like your true passion and. A lot of us, I mean, you, you had a very clear vision from when you were young, but a lot of us don't really know where we're going to end up. Like, I never thought that I would be where I am now, ever. Yeah. It was never even a consideration. I just allowed myself to get curious, and that's definitely what you're kind of talking about there, and I love that. The other thing I wanted to pick up on, and there there were so many good things so I have to pick up on it, was around your professional rapport and relationships that you built with people through your career it's very evident from you know the beginning of your career that you have kind of very maybe not strategically invested but you know you're a great guy you talk to people you invest in the relationships in the rapport and as a result people see you walking into the hospital they're like mm-hmm. we need to please come and work with us i mean i talk about professional branding all the time that is like a walking talking professional brand
1: (laughs) yeah definitely it's so important to have have a personal brand and to tell you the truth before starting the Aussie Nurse Educator I didn't have a personal brand I I really just had a a nicer looking CV and stuff and I did a lot of things in person but I really sort of you know shied away from the power of social media and having a personal brand and I think that is probably the worst thing you can do in 2020 and beyond because I think in the future Everything's gonna be around personal brands and how amazing each individual is and, and how many skills they've got in terms of what they can provide value to others. And yeah, I think it's really important for people to focus on because the power of networking and creating your identity around your interests and then giving value to others, I think is what everyone can do in their own way. And it's amazing if we do.
0: Yeah, and you've been able to create that in your role currently. So you know the CNE, you're doing that point five, you've also got lots of other things happening. In terms of your C&E role, yep. it's beautifully aligned to your skill set and what you've been able to build over your career. Yep. What tips or tricks or what, what things have you picked up on in that role that you know have been really awesome kind of realizations for you in terms of being an educator? Well, I think in terms of tips for students, you mean or for yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you work with grads and students, so yep. w- what would you offer people?
1: Yeah, yeah. So basically, focusing on what you're interested in and what you absolutely love doing. I think everyone along the way gets, you know, caught up with you know, what people are telling them or what other people in the industry have done or what the culture is telling you to do and stuff like that. But I think if you can take all of that stuff in, so, you know, talking about networking then, like I I would go around and I'd network and I'd get people's perspectives and I'd look at their situations and the problems that they were having and what they were saying about them. And this really allowed me to build my education and information around all of that, but also shape my perspective. And then when you look at those other journeys and what's happened to them and, this could go on all day because this is literally what decided for me to not do net- medicine, was talking to probably, say, 60 different specialists that were across of anaesthetists and surgeons just saying it's the wrong decision to make. And I'm going, but you're an anaesthetist and a surgeon and you earn all this money and whatever. And they said, yes. Mm. But I started my first business at university and they knew that and they said, what can you do that we can't? And I'm still naively going, ah. And they're like, we have to go to work every day to earn our money. They're service based. And I really resonated with that and was like, yeah, right. And they're like, so I can earn this much a year. And that is it, you know? And I don't want to work this hard forever. And I was like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And they said, but you, you can do whatever you want. And they said, literally, you could be sitting at home drinking coffee and earning money. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. So when it came down to, you know, figuring out my why, I really sat back and thought, what? Am I passionate about what do I really want to do? What do I want to provide to other people? And back then I thought it was literally looking after people. I thought I wanted to give really good anaesthetics and I thought I wanted to become an anaesthetist and wanted to look after that one patient really, really good. However, in my time in aquatic rescue, lifeguarding, I did the similar thing. I thought I wanted to keep the beach goers safe and stuff. But when I started educating the lifeguards and having 20 lifeguards that I'd trained that were able to keep all the beaches safe, I went, wow, that's insane. That's really cool. So then when I developed myself in nursing, I decided to go back to the same idea. I was like, well, now I'm a confident and proficient nurse. I'd love to show others how to to get to the point where I am in their own interest because nursing so big. It's not as simple as sort of sitting around waiting at the beach for the next wave to come, so to speak. So chasing the traditional path was something I was not, I wasn't, about that. Early on I wanted to do something different. I've always done stuff a bit differently. I was an athlete as a teenager and into my early twenties and I did do stuff differently there. So I guess focusing on you know what you're actually interested in and what you love doing is important. And then chasing that dream and keeping that fire alive. I think everything that I've done fuels each other and the fire is lit every day. Like I don't I like right now, like you know I've been going for whatever it is, eight hours or whatever. I don't even think about the time because I just love my life. And then I get to like seven, eight o'clock at night and go, cool, I might sit down now and relax with my wife and my dog and, and really think about how today was really cool. So um, you know, it is your career and it's your life as well. So you've got to make and create exactly what you want out of it because then you'll be able to do it forever. And I've seen that on the opposite side of that too, where people don't do that and they're not so... Effective in their work role, and they're not so happy and sustainable, you know, as early as maybe 30, 35. And I think that's such a shame. So, the other thing within that, too, is I try to teach people, and I know you go on about this as well, and I think it's incredibly powerful because we've all been caught there, is focus on skills rather than formal education. So, you know, Mm. pieces of paper, yes, they're important for certain things, but it depends what you actually are doing. And I think the final piece in this bit is. I was ambitious, I was passionate, enthusiastic about my interest and then I grabbed my journey and fully immersed in that and then when I was able to get to a point where I was really happy with where I got to, I was then able to give value back to others and I thought this is what's going to get me places and because I loved what I was doing, it actually got me places and people noticed that and then others, you know, they drive off that enthusiasm and and the passion as well and I found that really, really cool to be able to inspire and empower others to do things that you
0: know, they really us to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, we forget that we are in full control of our lives. You know, you are the CEO of your life. You're the CEO of your career. I love the whole life nurse, I think it is, in the US. And she always talks about this, like, your license is your passport. Like, that is your, like, licensed. your APRA registration is, what you do with that is what you do with it. You know, you can create whatever it is that you want in your career. Yeah. And so many people buy into the notion of playing small, and they maybe look at, you know, somebody like you, Rory, or myself, or other people in the industry that are really pushing themselves, and they go, "But like they can do it, I can't do it." Yeah. Which I think is really interesting because they're. I'm telling you all listening right now, there's nothing unique about us. Uh, there's nothing unique about the people that go out and create what they want in their lives. They just get to work and they do it. Yep. And I think what you're saying, or what I'm hearing, is that. Even if you don't have clarity at the start, you can just literally work through the roles and find your path, create the path, explore it. And then if you don't like something, if you go to, you know, anesthesia and you don't like it, move on and pivot. That's it. The skills and offer them elsewhere. We are in service to our patients, but also to each other and to yourself. Yes, 100%, 100%. I think you would have
1: seen in coaching too, where you find someone who might be, geared to be a great nurse, but they're totally just flat with what they're doing and where they're at. And they might reach out to you. And I literally only had one of these this morning where they literally are just a bit stuck with a few things. And all of a sudden you open their eyes to a couple of little things. And because they've, you know, for whatever reason, they just couldn't make that one little leap from here to here for whatever the reason may be. And you're able to sort of bridge that gap for them and just to see them get over to that side and then have this massive spark, this massive campfire goes off. And all of a sudden they're they're driving towards this, you know, path of their own journey to wherever they want to end up. And, you know, you've would have seen it yourself, Like some people end up in some amazing places all because they refocus and they realize this is what I want and I'm going to go and get that.
0: Mm. Coaching is just so powerful. Like, I love that you're doing this. Like, you've obviously been doing it for years. Like, you walk, like in, as an athlete, like, you'll have ex- been exposed to amazing coaching. Coaching, I think, is a missing piece in healthcare. I think it is the piece that's missing in terms of the lack of support within the industry. That's why we have all of these limiting beliefs. That's why we have all of these people that are like, I can't do that. It's not available to me. Literally, when someone exposes your mind, your thoughts to you in a kind and gentle, compassionate way and allows you to see see the truth for what it is, like you say, it's an aha moment. It is literally just so enlightening for them. And they go off and they make it happen. And it literally was just the thought that was stopping them from doing that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, coaching is so, so powerful. As you said, something that I experienced as an athlete, but something that I really resonated with yourself and a lot of other people and with my journey, with my ADHD and stuff is, and reflecting back when I was an athlete, there was absolutely no psychology other than your coach. And when you got to really high teams and you got to national level and in certain sports, you started getting offered this psychology help and it really was interesting because obviously athletes that got help in psychology went a lot further than other athletes and I always thought I knew how to get the best out of myself but realistically I was only performing physically well and when you're only performing in one aspect of your life or one part of something well it's not the full you and I think with coaching everyone can become a whole great person or a great idea thing or whatever you're trying to do and yeah the power of coaching can literally just get you there or get you onto that trajectory and build that motivation as I said just fuel that fire up to get you going so it's amazing I have a lot of space for coaching in my what I do with the Aussie Nurse for other people but also for myself I've done a lot of personal coaching I've invested a lot of money which we've chatted about a bit before and I think I've got another bit coming up a bit later
0: about that as well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. I love that. Yeah, coaching is so powerful. Let's talk about Aussie North Educator, because I absolutely love everything that you do in that space. And tell us, Janelle, how you came about with that idea and what you can envision and mission is with Aussie North Educator.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well, basically, in terms of how it all started, we you know, I was sort of in my role as a CNS and a CNE, working sort of perioperatively. And you know, COVID hit Australia, and when COVID hit, you know, the whole world paused for those couple of months first off. And I was running my training business and working full time, but chunking my days full time over a shorter amount of the week so I could do my business stuff. And you know, we had to stop training in my business for about three and a bit months. And what I noticed was there's a lot of um, a lot of people around me that just sort of took that three four months to just have a break. And I thought, well. I don't want to do that. Like, I've got all these things I want to do. And how long is this going to last? And you know, what's yeah. So I just sort of sat back and I really took it as a period to, you know, reset and really focus on what I wanted to do. So with the business half shut down, I got a tiny bit bored with a few of the extra hours that I had. So I did some coaching, did some extra study with a few things that were outside of nursing. And then I come up with this idea of the Aussie Nurse Educator. And I can't tell you where it actually came from, but I remember just literally mentioning it to my wife one day and when I mentioned it to her, she was just like, That sounds pretty cool actually. And I was like, Yeah, right, at least I got my first fan on side. <laughs> just gotta convince the rest now. So yeah, that's sort of how it came about in idea. And then later in twenty twenty, you know, the world got to different transitions as that year went on and And I was still nursing. And that was the time where I was probably going to leave where I was. But I I stayed around for a little while. And towards the end of 2020, I went off. And my wife and I, Amy, we went to the Blue Mountains. We eloped and we got married in a remote treehouse, little secluded thing with our team, anteloping. And it was just amazing. And part of after that, it was 2021. We were on our honeymoon. And when we would get exhausted and we were relaxing in the afternoon, we'd start talking about the a Nurse Educator. And it was sort of late. January, early February on the, you know, 2021. And I just went, Radio, we're going to do it. I've just got to start. And that is one of my key tips too, is whatever you've been thinking about, even if it's only for a month, if you're really into it, you should probably just start it because you'll never start it if you don't, mm. or if you plan it too much. If you plan too, too much, you literally, your brain will start to think that it's done and you just won't get around to it. So I literally just started the Instagram page and just put one post up. And then it just led to me going, okay, I'll I'll plan a few more posts and then go to the next post. And then I did that only for about three months. And that's where I sort of started the rest of the journey where I was like, oh, now I don't want to limit this to Instagram. I'd love a website. I'd love a newsletter. I'd love a blog, i.e. giving more value. And that's just where the journey started. It was just, yeah, it was amazing.
0: Mm. and it's so good like I love your brand like I love your professional brand it looks so clean and you obviously clearly put a lot of love Janaya work into that stuff talk us through like what people can expect from the Aussie Nurse Educator I know you also have another business you're very busy (laughs) Um, and life-saving education I think it's called do correct me if I'm wrong but tell us about your vision for both of those and how people can kind of interact with them
1: yeah, yeah. So as I said earlier, they sort of followed the same trajectory of just helping others and letting them progress into what they wanted to be with that education and then ultimately give back to what they were doing. So for Lifesaving, it was for life guardian community education and stuff. But that sort of took a, a new line. So longer story short there, when I first started that when I was in university, it was actually called Hunter First Aid. It was very restrictive to just round here. It was just CPR first aid courses. It was just something for me to do on the side and whatnot. But when I went into the lifeguarding stuff, I really went into like business-based stuff, aquatic rescue, and then all of a sudden, I rebranded that business last year to Lifesaving Education, and the reason why I did that is because we went to state and nationwide training. I started doing stuff for schools, and we started, you know, branching right out and doing stuff for businesses. And that led to me not doing any public courses, so I don't do any public courses in this stuff anymore. I just work with businesses and do staff retraining and other things like that. So the main thing we do are like dental practices and surgeon offices and all that type of stuff in the health industry, doing their annual certs and stuff like that. But that. That is the business how that is. And yes, I'm passionate about all of that. Yes, it's moved forward and everything like that. But that is a business and how it runs. And Mm. I have other people involved with that. And that's probably not my true old passion anymore, even though it runs and I still have fun in it. Mm. I've developed the Aussie Nurse Educator. And that's really, you know, my passion and and what I love doing because I am a nurse now and I love giving back to that industry and, and enabling, as we said before, the nurses within you know, nursing become the best version of themselves and to develop into the professional that they want to be. And then they can definitely give all that, you know, great care to all the patients or serve nursing how they want as well. And it's just enabled me to get to a different level of serving nursing as well. So I've sort of followed the same path between the two businesses as well. So the growth has been great but in terms of the overall goal you know as i said life savings where it's at with the Aussie Nurse educator i do have you know an ultimate vision for that you know i've always seen myself as sort of a supportive guide rather than a guru even though i'm saying an anesthetic specialist i don't know everything i just like what i do and i'm just very passionate about it and i'm very resourceful so i can probably help you out but i don't know everything and i don't pretend to and right from when I was an athlete to being involved in aquatic rescue through the university as well as these businesses. I just loved educating, guiding, encouraging, supporting people, Mm -hmm. you know, to be involved, build knowledge and develop the skills to be the best version of themselves, enjoy their life and do exactly what they wanted to do. And I found that if people actually did that, they didn't worry, as I said before, about time and about the effort and about anything because that fire was burning and it just pushed them along. So, you know, I'd love to continue to build the Aussie Nurse Educator. It's been an incredible 13, 14 months. I'm so stoked and grateful for the past, you know, 13, 14 months and the journey that's been within it. Everyone that I've met, all the, you know, collaborations, all the brands, everything that I've been able to do right from where we started on Instagram, right through to the website is incredible. And mm. I was only reflecting on this the other day as sort of like the 12 month sort of path where I was like, oh, what do I want to do? Do I want to change some things up? You know, what's going on? And I had a look and, you know, my website's had heaps of traffic. I've got that free resource that's around pharmacology. So a lot of the the stuff I do in the education side, especially on site with students and online, even when I'm helping with education is all around pharmacology. So medication safety, but learning pharmacology was something at university that I struggled with even, and I was a science math space guy. And I just thought, why is this so hard? Well, it was the way the unis were teaching it, but out on the floor too, because our nursing lives are so stressed, I experienced so many medication errors and I just couldn't understand this because a legible order, the five, six, seven, eight rights, depending on when you trained. And I was like, if everyone just did that, well, it can't be a medication error, but we're all human and systems are different. Like public health, got, you know, electronic and that saves a lot of medication errors, but they still happen. And then, you know, you've got private and they've got all these other systems. So with the Aussie Nurse, I really wanted to hone into pharmacology. So I created that, that free resource. I've had literally almost 500 downloads on my website of that and mm. I've had a lot of good feedback. And I actually only activated the reviews the other day. I didn't realise I had for a whole year I had a button clicked that I basically wasn't going to get any reviews. So I clicked that on and literally the day I clicked it on, I got a review and I was like, this is rich. So I'd really love everyone yeah. to jump on and review that if they wanted to. But I've had so much good response from that and so many requests to do more things which they're coming and even some people have wanted to turn that into a preference card and stuff like that because they found it so helpful to identify those generic drug, drug names which I just think is amazing and further on to the website not only does it have traffic not only does that download created a lot of interest around the pharmacology education I do and stuff but the blog has regular traffic and my newsletter has almost 600 subscribers to it and I'm just having an absolute ball with that at the moment. But as the journey's going on, I have some you know big plans for the rest of 2022 and also into 2023, but I'm sort of not quite ready to share all of them. But I guess the ultimate vision would be to continue to grow it to be the ultimate personal brand for me, but where I'm continuing to empower and inspire nurses to continue to develop, learn and grow and using the education and personal development to actually do this and to get the most out of them to ultimately lead a sustainable and happy life because I've met so many nurses that aren't happy and they're definitely not sustainable. And you can be if you actually just hone in on your interests and and follow that path. And if I can help people do this and provide the value to them for that, and then that can provide further value to others, that's sort of what I'm all about so you know yes the money and stuff from business and stuff is great but the way that I like to explain it because a lot of people will mention things about you know money when people own businesses and stuff like that especially when you sell affiliate products and all that stuff because everyone knows that I love my safe styles and all that sort of stuff but money's just icy on the cake right like it's just what comes extra you know it's the little zing on the top but realistically what's actually the work the quality and the effort is the actual cake you know, and I think that's the important part. If you concentrate on making a great cake, you'll be able to put nice icing on it and you'll just absolutely love it. There's only one problem with that. Yeah. I don't like cake. I'm sort of a cookie type guy. <laughs> but um, that's the analogy I use. So,
0: yeah. I love that so much. I love that we're so aligned in terms of what we our vision, like I brought our broader vision and we've connected on this before, you know, and there's so many people in our space. The online community in the nurse kind of online creator community is just amazing. And I just always think to myself, imagine if this was what what your workplace was like. <laughs> you walked yes. in every day and everybody was like pumping you up and like liking the way you looked and like all of the things, you know, like giving each other a like and a weak comment. I just think it would be such a different industry. It would be so fascinating. But I love where you're at and I love what you have coming in terms of your both your businesses. I'm very excited to watch that grow and develop moving forward. All of the links to Rory's blog and newsletter and all of the downloads will be in the show notes and in the bio, so you don't want to miss them for sure. I wanted to talk about, you mentioned this at the start, I wanted to talk about being a clinician a human. And, you know, your ADHD process and going through that and kind of identifying that you, if you're happy to share that you had ADHD and kind of what that means for you as a clinician and how it kind of showed up. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, definitely. I, um, I've got a lot of plans actually to share a bit more of this because even from the first moment I shared on the Aussie nurse educator, I had a few people reach out and be like, oh my God, you know, and share their story. And I've even actually got a student at the hospital at the moment who, who reached out and said, I've got ADHD and they've shared their own experiences and I've actually helped people in a you know, sort of sub coaching capacity with all stuff ADHD for quite a few months now. And I've reflected on the fact that everyone could help so many more people if we were just a bit more open and we're willing to share our story. So I'm definitely willing to share this because I think this is one of the most interesting things ever, especially from a healthcare. perspective perspective because Mm. i obviously struggled with this my whole life didn't know anything what was going on i was an athlete and when i say an athlete people think oh you could have played footy you could have been a swimmer or whatever swim a couple times a week whatever but i was an athlete i was an ironman endurance swimmer i swam 16 17 times a week i was swimming over 50 k's a week i was running over 30 k's i was paddling in the ocean you know, I was doing real athlete type stuff. So this basically was the deepest form of self-care and it kept my ADHD at bay for years. And I never had, you know, breaks. I was a kid, you know. So when I got to this point in university where I had to sit back, reset and really had to think about, you know, do I want to be an athlete? And I chose not to. I literally went from doing that 16, 17 sessions to nothing. And when I did that, I noticed, you know, a few things within myself and then I started this mental health course at at university and the reason why I loved it is because they brought this notion of mindfulness in and I went home and I looked at this you know this little sultana and I was doing all the stuff around it It only took two minutes did the grounding techniques in the chair and stuff and I kid you not two days into it I started seeing some crazy like crazy effects so Mm. I took myself off to my GP and this is where it gets interesting I shared what I'd experienced with my GP and was actively seeking help and my GP sat back and basically said, What are you talking about? You're fine. You've been an athlete. You're successful. Look at this, look at that. And I was just so like shocked because I was like, I'm coming to you with this problem that I want help with. And you're just saying it's not a problem. But I've come to you with it, you know. And he went, he gave me this book called Fast Minds. And I laughed because have you ever met someone with ADHD that's read a book? <laughs> I got through school <laughs> by doing no reading doing none of that. Yeah. I was really good at maths, really good at science. And yes, I got really good grades, but that doesn't happen to everyone with ADHD. And this was held against me. So I got given this book called Fast Minds. I literally went home and downloaded the summary on Google because there's no way I was going to read this book. And the summary I got from it was that I had a fast mind and I was like great I'm going to change GPs. But I met my lovely wife at school and um at the time I was like well I'm going to be with this lovely woman forever so I'm going to change her GP so we can have a family GP. And from the moment walking mm. into her GP, she was so accommodating. I was like, yes, Rory, you're struggling with this. Let's do a little screening test. I did a screening test. She downloaded it off Google. It was from some good psychologist, and I scored 49 out of 50. And she goes, oh, we better write you some referrals. And I was like, yeah, cool. So what I found really interesting from this point was she was a fantastic GP, but there was a total neglection for psychology. Mm. Total neglection. And I even had to say, like, should I maybe go to a psychologist too? I'd never been to one before, but I'd be open to the fact because my wife had been to one and because, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole sports part of my life and stuff like that. And she said, Yep, yeah, you could give that a go, definitely. So I actively chased that pathway. That was a different sort of story. But with psychiatry, I couldn't get in. I spent a year and a half trying to get in because of like COVID and all these types of things that was happening. And basically just couldn't get in. And I was restricted to the lounge one afternoon. I was able to sit down for a few hours and I just started writing personal emails to any psychiatrist I could find their email for, to their receptions, to them themselves. And I found a really cool local psychiatrist and I would literally emailed like 30 psychiatrists. And I said to this guy a few things. So I started to experience a few Amplified issues in my relationship with my wife. I started to experience a couple of little things at work. And I ran into a friend that I was an Ironman with when I was literally a kid. And his mum's a psychologist. She worked in the same building that I was working in at the other hospital. And I shared this story with her because I was clearly talking really fast one day and I was really distressed. And she said, Rory, tell me a bit more about stuff. And she told me what to say. So I addressed this letter to the psychiatrist and I said, I'm experiencing problems not only within myself, but within my relationships at work and also relationships. At home. And from that moment, I got this psychiatrist emailed me personally and said, Rory, contact this number, tell my secretary that I want you to see me. And I thought, wow, this is good. So I contacted them, made an appointment, but then I was shocked. I was going to wait six, eight months for an appointment. And that was literally going to be this month, pretty much, for an appointment. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And she put me on a cancellation list and everyone knows how negative nursing is around phones, but I ended up carrying my phone on shift with me, which I did for a lot of other things for searching education and other types of things, very appropriately around my patients, obviously. And basically they called me two days later and she said, Rory, it is your lucky day. You've answered the phone. And I went down from our appointment only a couple of days later. I spoke for about seven minutes. The psychiatrist said, you've got really bad ADHD and we need to, Progress this, and that's where it all started. So, he really um, listens to me, and he has just been amazing because he trained in the UK. And you know, things that are done in the UK around ADHD are so different to Australia. And something that he said, which I found quite interesting, was that Australia in itself, but in particular, New South Wales health policy is really restrictive around getting diagnoses, getting access to the real help that you need. Mm-hmm. And, long story short, like, even though I've been with this psychiatrist now for seven months, I'm only just about to get access to the actual medications that I need to be the best version of myself. And he only went outside of what he was doing to put me on another medication in the meantime because he was trained in the UK and he knows what they do there and he knows what works over there. And I found all of this very interesting from a nursing perspective because the easiest way I explain it is if someone has an infection, they get diagnosed with this bacterial infection today. They get prescribed antibiotics and they go get them and they're on them today. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed seven months ago and I still don't have the recommended treatment for ADHD. I had to wait 10 weeks for my TGA clearance to come back for stimulants because stimulants are a dangerous drug to people who don't need them. But for ADHD, people who don't you know, have the neurotransmitters that they require noradrenaline and dopamine, we need those stimulants to feel well, to optimally function. And there's a lot of research in America and stuff that suggests that without these types of medications replacing these transmitters, we're more open to dangerous behaviours. You know, we get divorced, 70% of ADHDs are divorced. And one thing that I found out through Dr Ahmed on Instagram there's a lot of ADHD people that developed Alzheimer's really early in life because they have unmanaged ADHD. And the simplest thing you can do to start to manage your ADHD is take stimulants and then rebuild your life around behavior. So I found so many things within that story to be so interesting, by the way, how all of that was managed. But then on the other side of it, you and I touched on this the other day, my family is sort of like, a oh, you know, mental health, is that real? sort of thing and I only shared with my mother ago like a week ago about my ADHD and the response wasn't too positive it was literally like who told you that rather than talking to me about it Mm -hmm. so I find that you know overall I learned this in nursing we're up to date almost with medicine but we're so far behind in mental health and with ADHD it is down here on priorities because people have real real life troubles with mental health that affect their life way more than what it was affecting me and they're totally disrupting their life but I didn't want to get to that point so I actively sought help and this is where I sort of just reflected and went, wow, why is it so hard to get this help? But I persevered, I had the backup of my wife and I've had a lot of cool people around me and as I said, I shared it on the Aussie Nurse Education stuff and I've had a lot of other people reach out and I've just stuck with it and I'm literally this close so I'm going to celebrate on my birthday at the start of May with the fact that I've I've made it. It's been a long journey but it's taken me since I was 18 when I first went to my GP and I'm literally like 29 to literally get access to what I need to feel well and it's been such an arduous Mm -hmm. journey but I'm so glad I have stuck it out because I am very confident that soon I will be able to be the best version of myself over again so I'll be able to give back even more Mm -hmm. and yeah I just as I said just had so many epiphanies throughout that process and um, I'm still trying to think of it all and yeah, how it's all going for me. But yeah, I'm a bit proud of myself. And yeah, I'm just happy that I've got to this point.
0: That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, thank you so much for sharing your journey because I'm sure it will resonate with lots of people listening. And it's a testament to your character, clearly. You know, I would argue that you sound like you're already your optimal uh, version of yourself. You sound, you know, you're doing awesome. You're doing amazing considering the circumstances um, and what you've had to push through and go through. So, you know, ready for Rory 2.0? Like that's (laughs) going to be super exciting.
1: I agree. And I think one thing I really wanted to mention is, you know, Hannah at the breakthrough nurse, Mm. there's something that I, so I recognized at uni that exercise was the deep self-care that I did that made me well. Mm. I really was like, what self-care is going to help throughout this time where I'm really struggling and I'm trying to access this help. And, I was pretty good at figuring some things out, but I didn't come, like I was doing mindfulness for a few years. I added the exercise back in, so I was only doing those two things. I had really bad nutrition when I was at home, even as an athlete. My family didn't have great nutrition. When I moved in with my wife, nutrition became a huge focus. She's a real healthy eater, and I started focusing on my hydration, But then I discovered meditation and that changed my life. And I also added in journaling and that changed my life even further. And then I listened to that podcast that Hannah did and she said deep self-care. And I have used that every week with every student I've worked with ever since because that is the separation. Deep self-care is different to self-care. And I think the way she said it on there was you can have the worst moment of your life in a workplace or whatever and you can't just go, I'm going off to have a bath. You can't do that, Mm -hmm. but you can walk around the next corner and you can take five deep breaths and you can meditate for a minute and come back and act differently. And I think Mm -hmm. the motto of deep self-care, if everyone could concentrate on that first and then layer their self-care over the top of that, that's how you basically become the, the most optimum functioning version of yourself before you get to everything else we've talked in this podcast. So I've really honed into the journaling, the meditation. I added that psychology in. I eat well. My wife and I exercise every single day. And I really think these things uh, and good sleep, I think all of those things are the deepest self-care that will actually enable us to be, you know, the best optimum machine that we can be to then go off and engage with everything else, as I said, in this podcast we've talked about
0: yeah such valuable insights it's such a challenging profession and life in general at the moment is just hard right like it is challenging given what we do so hard and i love that there's so many people that talk about self-care on that deeper level like elena mallory the Happiness. yeah she talks about it's just bubble baths you know it's what really like nourishes your soul yeah what really allows you to tap into being the best version of yourself and and i always say it starts with managing your mind Yeah, it's one of the main things that monkey mind, but also cleaning out your mind, such a critical part of self care is like, recognizing that all of the shit (laughs) that's going on in here, literally is not factual. And you need to clean it out every day, like you would clean your house or your kitchen to make sure that you're operating at your optimal level. Yeah, you're not taking all of that with you every day such good advice there. Yeah, 100%. And I
1: think the mindset stuff, like I did a lot of that as an athlete, but my ADHD, as it got worse, really played with my mindset and how I felt about myself. And that's something that, you know, prior to getting my medications, I'm really working on and something that my wife helps me with every day. But it's something that the journaling and the reflecting and stuff and the meditations really enabled me to keep on top of because it has been tough. And I think, you know, Mm. everyone will have a tough spot in their life. But yeah, we've just got to focus on us and really think about what we can do to become the best version ourselves. Cause we can all do it. We can all do it. Yeah,
0: It's totally accessible to everyone listening yep. for sure. Rory, we could talk forever. Literally. I know. We have to wrap it up there, but you will definitely be coming back on the podcast. Hopefully. So excited. Invitation, I would love you to come back, but where can people find you? So
1: people can find me mainly obviously on Instagram, but also at ww.ozzinoseeducator.com. If you go into there, you can literally go onto any socials that I've got from there. As you said at the start of this podcast, I went from Instagram to doing the, you know, the blog and the newsletter, but I've actually added a YouTube and put a few other random things up and whatever. And you can all find that from my website. So if you're keen to head over to the website, you can give all the socials a follow. You can also join the newsletter if you like and find all the rest of the goodness there and you know, if you're that keen, definitely just reach out and have a chat. I love chatting to everyone. That's been one of the best parts of having this Instagram is having emails and DMs and other things and just talking to all the amazing people across Australia and the world about all things nursing and all things personal development. It's been fantastic.
0: Yes, it's compulsory that you go and follow Rory if you're listening. (laughs) Please go and follow him and give him some love and check out his resources are amazing. And I'm definitely learning lots of clinical things that I've pushed to the back of my mind, (laughs) relearning them when I see Rory's posts. But uh, Rory, thank you so much for what you do. I'm excited to see what's coming for you, mate. And good luck with the ADHD process. And we'll have you back on high performance nursing soon. Thanks.
1: It's been a ball and all the best to everyone here and I'll catch you guys again
0: soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right. See you in the next episode, guys. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.